Good morning, comrades, and welcome to another week of Workers' Power with uh, Bill, and I'm joined by uh, my co-hosts, uh, Jackson and Calypso. And, uh, yeah, you're on uh, for Triple Z. And uh, we just played that track. I quite like that track. It's uh, NDB, no- Noise Drum Bass. No, Noise Bass Drums, NBD, by the band Bear Beats. All right, and uh, thank you to uh, Artcut for another fantastic show. And also thanks to uh, Zlines for uh, giving us up to date with all the news. Today on the show, we've got a pretty busy show in the end. It's lined up, which is uh, so we better get get moving. But uh, we've, we've got plenty of workers' action across the continent and around the world. And also, we are going to be talking with uh, Nat from Anarchist Communist Mianjin. And um, they've been doing some, some great organising. You've been hearing um, us talking about their events. Um, they always keep popping up in our events, so we thought it was time to invite them on the show and they can tell us all about what they're, they're up to. And, um, yeah, so plenty to go on with, so let's let's get on with it. Um, first off, we acknowledge the uh, traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge all First Nation comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggle for recognition, reparations and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. Right, well, on to First Nations workers' action. And um, Jackson, you can talk us through a First Nations uh, a Kobe Dreaming update. Yeah, so this is a Kobe Dreaming update from the 23rd of April. Um, yesterday, Suzanne Lay's department confirmed Mark Bailey's QTMR contractors will refrain from entering Jockey Kundu sacred site while the federal minister is engaged in the determination process. The minister's office expects a Section 9 determination process to be completed by the 10th of May, and then the Section 10 begins. Kabi Banya law gatherings continue and tribal elders and families and guardians of Jackie Kundu and supporters continue to maintain and use Jackie Kundu in the spirit of the origin, despite continuing harassment from some contracting workers who should know better than to behave like juvenile delinquents. Right on, so season lays the federal minister for... I've forgotten what the portfolio is called, but, um, yeah, they look after this. And Mark Bailey is the um, state minister um, for roads. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're in a little bit of a, little bit of a battle. And uh, who are the losers? First Nations workers, aren't they? Workers. Um, so uh, it's good to, uh, that we, we uh, like to keep you up to date with that. And uh, if you want to find out more, you can by going to Kabi Dreaming's Facebook page. So just chuck in the search thing, Kabi Dreaming, and you can find out more. Righto. Um, on to, uh, and then um, on to some stuff around Deeping Creek uh, Calypso. Thanks, Bill. Sovereign Yagara Urupal land defenders and their supporters have been camped out on the old Deeping Creek mission site for several years now. These courageous warriors are there to protect their country from being desecrated by unsustainable suburban sprawl development that will also clear important koala habitat. Jonathan Shree and Amy McMahon 
are organising a community campaign update evening to learn about the cultural and environmental significance of the site and what the government and developers have planned. Thursday, 6th of May, from 5.30 in Parliament Annex. Hear directly from activists and elders about the community campaign and their reoccupation of the site, as well as their vision for how the site could evolve if it was returned to the rightful owners. The evening will conclude with a strategic discussion of the path to victory and practical steps people can take to support the campaign. Make sure you register your attendance for COVID contact tracing purposes. Capacity is strictly limited. You can get more detail on John O'Shree's or Amy's Facebook page. Right on. Uh, yeah, just uh, the main thing is that the, the elders are there and the activists and getting an, a bit of an update. And um, you can go and check out the Parliament an- Annex. I've never been. Have you ever been inside the that building? No, I, I want to get the layout of the land, if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> Righto. Uh, the next story... Um, it, it, it's a it's a it's a close to home one here, and uh, I just want to. I, I bought the story up because I just wanted to highlight. It, it's something that I probably you know I don't experience uh, all all that much, but uh, some First Nation workers do. So uh, try and get your mic. Yeah, got it. Oh, yeah, hello. Um, yeah, yeah. So, a Beery South Sea Islander man says he and his son were the only two people asked to produce their tickets in the corporate box. The father claims he was racially profiled during an NRL game at Brisbane Suncourt Stadium over the weekend. Joshua Henaway and his son were sitting in a corporate box at the Broncos vs Panthers game when a security guard approached them and asked to see their tickets. He claims no one else in the corporate area was asked to produce their tickets to security and that he and his son were targeted due to the colour of their skin. To single us out, to say that we're trying to sneak into an area like that for starters, why would I go sit in an area where no one is surrounding us? I'm going to be seen quite easily, Mr Hannaway said. The biggest thing, I think, was the embarrassment when I saw the look in my son's eyes. In a response to the official complaint, General Manager of Suncorp Stadium, Alan Graham, said there was an earlier occurrence of patrons attempting to sneak into the corporate seating area before they were asked to leave. As you and your son were the closest group to the aisle, it was logical for them to approach you first with a polite, reasonable and legitimate request to see your tickets, said Mr Graham Grubb. It is unfortunate you did not interpret the request in a way you did, but we do not believe there is any basis for the allegations you have made of racial discrimination by the stadium or any staff. Mr Henaway said he was fuming at the response of Suncorp Stadium, but was unsure of taking the matter further. Yeah, just wanted to highlight, I, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I suppose I, I don't get profiled, uh, you know, just class things but um that's few and far between and uh first nations um workers um get this all the time in their lives so uh it's good to highlight these things absolutely and he had his son with him yeah first nations people learn pretty young what racism is and how they're going to be treated differently that's that's right and uh yeah 
But like you said, he's just sitting there too. too uh, like like I, I think uh, Mr. Henaway is right in saying that uh, two First Nations uh, persons sitting there all alone, they're going to stand out, uh, you know. Like they're gonna, Absolutely. You know, so they're not going to get away with much. So, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I looked through the through the uh, couple of articles that, that, that were um, uh, relaying this message. Not once did I see or hear a... Uh, a um, an apology in any way. No, in fact, they actually shifted the blame back onto Mr. Hannaway. Yeah. He's just trying to enjoy a Broncos game with his son. And uh, that, that quote there, I'm sorry you interpreted the way you did, that's, it is that's not an apology. That's placing blame back on Mr. Hannaway. Yeah, it is. You inter- yeah, that's right. You know, it's it's your fault for, for, for interpreting in that way. I should have just said sorry and said, you know, we... We empathise with your plight, and uh, we, we will, you know, do training and all. You know, and much probably better. refunded the tickets. Yeah, yeah, as well. and that's the other thing. You know, there's no talk of, uh, you know, like a, a free day out in the footy for the young fellow to to to, to show that he, he's a valued member of our community and the rugby league community and the Suncorp community. Right on. Well, they're a valued member of our community community here on Workers Power, and we're about to uh, let you know on. Uh, well, the uh, workers' actions and the stories from across the country, uh, continent. And the first one up is uh, something to do with the United Workers' Union, Jackson. Yeah, so essential public sector workers have been, in, have been the health heroes at the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic in South Australia, working in roles such as hospital cleaners, personal care workers in our regional aged care facilities, disability support workers, orderlies, patient services assistants and catering workers. United Workers' Union members are cleaning hospitals, delivering meals to sick people, pushing beds to ICUs, caring for the elderly, supporting people living with a disability, and have done everything they can to stop the spread of the pandemic while maintaining effective health services for South Australians. After 12 months of negotiations for new enterprise agreements, the Marshall Liberal government are still shamefully in favour of attacking workers' conditions, including their job security, leaving workers and the community concerned that the government has an intention to privatise further services. Uh, The members are fighting for the... Okay. The Marshall Liberal government has failed to recognise the essential nature of the work they perform, failing to table an offer addressing members' reasonable claims of job security, fair wage increases, while maintaining all of their current conditions. Right on. Yeah. Like I said, like the, the, uh, the story said, they have been the health heroes at the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then the government just goes and says, no, nah, no, nah, we, you know, they're going to attack your workers' conditions, you know, take away some job security and and leave workers and the community concerned that the government has an intention to privatise further services. Terrible way to treat our public servants, isn't it? Terrible. Absolutely. These are, these are important, caring, loving people. That and risk their lives yeah. for the safety of everyone else. And, um, yes, the South Australian government, yeah, of course, it's a Liberal government, of course, you know, shrills. Righto, uh, uh, this next story, I think I might read it out because I, I'm looking for comment from you, Calypso. Okay. You, you, can you get it. to comment on this one. 
Right, so in this week's episodes of Could This Country Get More Embarrassing and Out of Touch, the Department of Home Affairs has tried to ban bare arms on their 14,000 staff, proposing a new dress code that prohibits sleeveless tops. Dresses, blouses, and anything too revealing, as well as jeans, t-shirts, polo shirts, and sneakers, both at work and even during video conference calls while working from home. Someone really sensible, i.e. the Community and Public Sector Union National Secretary, Melissa Donnelly, took up arms excuse the pun, arguing the wording of the dress code policy appeared to target women who compromise, uh, who are about 54% of home affairs staff. The Fair Work Commission thankfully knocked back the proposal on Wednesday, stating that the dress code rules couldn't be brought in without staff being consulted. But the matter is not over and it could still become policy if Home Affairs speaks with unions and staff and they agree. Calypso, come on. I have so much to say about this, Bill. I don't know how <laughs> well, much we time hear there that. is for that. But yeah. this is absolutely appalling. Absolutely, um, it's targeted at women. This is the Department of Home Affairs. So in the Department of Home Affairs, you're not going to see any men wearing sleeveless tops. And in order to get a level of respect as a woman, it's just a simple fact that you have to dress a certain way to be seen as professional. And a large part of that is due to your your appearance, okay? So a lot of women don't have a lot of choices of what they can wear in professional environments in general. Uh, but the, the most horrifying thing about this development is the underlying message that uh, it's policing women's bodies. It's taking a normal body part that everyone has, like arms and shoulders and saying um that's unsightly that has to be hidden um and that's that's absolutely horrible uh for listeners i'm actually wearing a sleeveless top right now and that's fine yes you know like uh uh, there's in some of the other articles uh, um uh, they were talking about how even the um, private, the private, you know, businesses, and, and I can use Coles as an example here, have moved on. You know? Absolutely, they've even moved past tattoos where they even that, uh, like, say, if you've got tattoos because on your arm, it doesn't arm, affect their work. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't th- affect anything. That's and right. it's, this is including video calls. Yeah. If it bothers you that much, you can just open a new tab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it does seem ridiculous on the surface, but I'd like to draw attention to the the really horrifying under underlying sentiment here that they're trying to assert control over women's bodies. Even in the Department of Home Affairs, they have to control women and and make them feel like they have to dress for the men that they work with. Yep, that's right. All right. Well, uh, that's why you're here. Thank you very much for your insight into, um, you know, how how uh, this is just terrible. You know, and uh, we we in the modern world, we we uh, and in the public service, uh, they should know better. So, good work to the CPSU standing up for their women members and uh, and um, uh, keeping the uh, the uh, service to uh, the public servant service to task uh, through the Fair Work Commission. 
Righto. Uh, we've got um, the uh, 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 something, uh, an update from um, the Services Union. Um, Jackson, can you talk sure us through thing. that one? So the Services Union is acutely aware of how long the bargaining process is taking, with Mackay Regional Council and the bargaining team are working tirelessly to deliver wage increases and improvements to conditions that workers deserve. Mackay Regional Council has announced it will be making an administrative pay increase to staff as follows. A $250 increase to base salary for all employees under the Stream B and Stream C awards, 1% increase for all employees, uh, both back paid to the 1st of July 2020. The back pay appears to have been processed this week. While the Services Union applauds MRC's decision to apply the, an administrative increase, it needs to be understood by member, members that it is not a final agreed negotiating outcome from the ongoing certified agreement negotiations. The Services Union will continue pursuing better wage increases at the bargaining table. Right on. Yeah, so they've got a win and they're going for even more. That's it. That's the way. That's what my union does. That's it. That's my. I'm. I'm a member of the services union. So right on. Good. Good. Good for them. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll try and keep our eye on that. There's a few um, councils that that are in bargaining process. Uh, I've noticed. So there's this one, Mackay. There's now Logan are, are involved in some negotiations. Some workers out at Logan Council. There's another one. I think the Sunshine Coast might be up this year as well. So there's a fair few of them are in and around where um, the council workers are, 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 you know, fighting for... These will be differences of, of like, 1% to 3%. So the workers will be fighting for three. They don't want to give them anything. They don't want to give them nothing, you know. So, you know, bosses in their ivory towers after they're chasing their bonuses. Um, but uh, we will try and keep you informed here on workers' power on uh, all workers uh, standing standing up and fighting back. All right, we've got one more here. Uh, we've done that. We've got... Uh, it's the Rafu one. The Rafu one. All right, I'll, I'll go. Well, you, can you read us through that one? Yes, I can. So the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, Rafu, um, following their Facebook post and picture last week, Better Red Than Dead, issued ceased and desist lawyer letters to workers who shared the post. Now Better Red Than Dead is demanding members attend show cause meetings where their employment may be terminated. Ralph Wu is preparing litigation in support of members and we know the broader community supports our members' rights to organise and take action. Better Red Than Dead is also opposing workers' majority support determination application and the Fair Work Commission has convened a conference next week. Despite everyone knowing a majority of workers want to bargain the bad laws, this allows employers to delay and frustrate the process. It sure does. And they, they're um, going to use, by the looks of things, they're going to use every trick in the book to, um, you know, uh, stop members from, um, you know, o- o- organising a, a better deal. And, um, yeah, I'm a bit very, very much... It's, uh, a- as you read, the, the, there's that naughty word in there, lawyer. So it's lawyers at 10 yards, so I have to be very, very careful about what I talk about in this space. Um, yeah, lawyers at 10 yards. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, um, quite, but that being said, it's really good to see the community support. Now, um, there's down in Sydney and New South Wales and a little bit in Victoria, there's this group 
called the May 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 One Movement, and uh, we may end up doing you know something like that up here in Brisbane, but it's a bit hard because of the rally, the public holiday kind of scenario but anyhow the uh, there's a group down in there the, the may one movement and they're they're keen as to get in behind and uh that uh, better red than dead is actually when uh, i used to live in uh, newtown it's a new town in sydney when i used to live there that was the uh, bookstore that my partner used to go to so that that was a favorite bookstore and it's it's in, it's it's a shop front on king street newtown so uh it, it's prime for a picket. It's just absolutely. It's just prime. It's not and like people it's are a, ready to fight. Yeah, and yeah, and the workers they they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They've got community support behind them. They've got their union behind them, of course. You know, like I've been uh, in discussions about this uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I've been like, no, nah, we're fighting. This is what we do. This is what we do. You know, if we if we can't fight for these members. There's no point in us being being a union. So um, we're we're in there. We're going to be fighting for these members, and very exciting. Um, the majority support determination. That's all all in about where the workers want to negotiate. And once you've got more than half, so i.e. the majority, the boss don't have a choice. He has to negotiate. That's people power. Yeah, that is that that is workers power. Yes. So. Um, stay tuned to that space. Uh, there'll be much, much more in that story. Hopefully it doesn't end up in the court so I can keep reporting. Um, um, but as I said, it's lawyers at 10 pace. We'll, but uh, we will keep you informed where we can. All right, oh, So uh, now, Jackson, you found a story that uh, is... Uh, it's it's overseas, but it's got a lot to do with, with Australia. So an Australian-Canadian mining company, Oceana Gold, has been misleading the public on Filipino mine. And this is a, a story you've got from uh, Ron Guy from Green Left. Yeah, so spokesperson for the Australian National Campaign on Mining in the Philippines, Andrew Morrison, says that Australian-Canadian mining company Oceana Gold is misleading the public about its mine in Tapidio in the Philippines. The Philippine government said it would renew the company's right to mine in Tapidio last December. Oceana Gold said that proved it was a responsible multinational miner and that had to the strong endorsement of residents and local communities in and around the mine, including Indigenous people. In fact, the mine is strongly opposed by local communities and Indigenous people, Morrison said. Oceana Gold started mining in Dipidio in 2013, despite opposition from local government and the community. A 2007 report by Oxfam Australia's mining ombudsman reported allegations that Oceana Gold had forcefully acquired the land. The Philippine Commission on Human Rights' uh, 2011 report found that Oceana Gold had demolished at least 187 houses in Dipidio without relocating those who were displaced. When Oceana Gold's FTAA expired in June 2019, community groups and local and provincial governments took action, including a barricade forcing Oceana Gold to suspend its operations. Oceana Gold's private security force attacked community members. The company erected fences and checkpoints on roads used by locals and used firearms to intimidate them. Residents were beaten and one was shot by Oceana Gold security personnel. Morrison said other abuses associated with the mine included the violent dispersal of protesters in 2009 and 2020, and that last year around 100 police forcibly dispersed some 30 Indigenous and environment defenders who were protesting the continued operations in the 
in the Tapidio mine, adding that the police used unnecessary and disproportionate force. The community and local government in Tapidio oppose Oceana Gold's mine because of its alleged devastating effects on their health, livelihoods and the environment, Morrison said. Residents have complained about noise, air and water pollution that have affected income from agriculture and caused serious health problems, including an increase in respiratory complaints and skin diseases. Reports by ASTP found that river waters are now unsafe for agriculture, irrigation and human consumption, and this has led to reduced yields from irrigated crops, reduced fish stocks and a high incidence of plant and animal diseases. It is clear that communities in and around Apidio have long opposed Oceana Gold's mine and that they continue to oppose it. It is also clear that Oceana Gold has ignored community opposition and, instead of engaging broadly with the community, has committed serious human rights violations, Morrison said. For shame on us. Well, on Oceana Gold. Well, Oceana Gold. It's a strain company. And, um, yes, for shame. This is terrible how, you know, we go over there and, you know... like It's a blatant disregard for human life. Yeah. It's also, like... The modern form of colonialism. It is, yeah, that's the word I was going to throw in there. You know, we're we're colonising this this uh, this land. Colonialism isn't colonialism isn't managed by the state anymore. Instead, companies use the free market to go and take land and kill natives and uh, exploit exploit the resources and make all that money. Yeah. That's it, you know, they're just, yeah, ruining the land and, um, you know, the workers' uh, potential to to be able to use that land, you know. So, geez, oh, we report on some sad stories sometimes. It really gets you upset, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we are reporting on these things and, and highlighting how, um, you know, how capitalism is ruining the world, basically. That's, that's what we're saying there, isn't it? Dreadful, dread, dreadful stuff. Right on. So, uh, uh, international workers' action. Now, uh, I, I, I gave Jackson the, the task of... We need a bit of an update on Myanmar, and I think I think they've found us a great story here because it's, uh, it's to do with trade union leaders. So, uh, yeah, Jackson, Myanmar military junta arrests prominent trade union leader... This story was uh, by Sarah Hand- ha- Sarah Johnson. Johnson from The Guardian. Yeah, so one of Myanmar's leading trade union leaders has been arrested as part of escalating attacks on pro-democracy, pro-democracy figures by the military hunter. Do Mio Ai, director of the Solidarity Trade Union of Myanmar, one of Myanmar's largest independent unions, is a central figure in the movement for workers' rights. She has been one of the most prominent union leaders in the civil disobedience movement, which has been organising national strikes and protests since the military seized power from the democratically elected government of Aung San Suu Kyi in February. Miao Ai was dragged from her office by the army last Thursday and taken to a police station where she has been charged and detained. According to the union, she is due to be transferred to a prison in Yangon. We lost our pillar, said a member of staff at the union, but we are going to operate with the remaining staff. We operate within the law and we provide assistance to workers in accordance with the labour law. Our organisation will not collapse because she is not here. Thousands of people have been arrested and hundreds killed since protests against the military hunter began. 
According to the latest figures from the Assistance Association for Political Prisoners, 737 people have been killed by the military, and 3,229 individuals are detained or have been sentenced. Chu Thuel, uh, who is the union leader's daughter, said, Since the beginning of the coup on the 1st of February, I thought they would come from... I thought they would come for her. I feel they arrested her to set an example. A spokesperson for the Workers' Rights Consortium, a labour rights monitoring organisation, said with many labour leaders already in hiding or exile, the military arrest of Do Myo Ai poses a serious challenge to the vital role of the Myanmar labour movement in the struggle to restore democracy. Right on, yes. Great stuff, and um, well, it's not great stuff. I'm glad we didn't we didn't report on. Oh, we did. We just touched on it on all the killing that's happening over there, and uh, um, yeah, since the beginning beginning of the coup, what 737 people have been killed by the military. Yeah, um, and I think this story is good because we've talked about like the violence before like the fighting in the streets with like military fighting and stuff but we haven't really touched on the civil disobedience and strikes and labor organizing that's been going on and uh, like we can see from this story that it is posing a big threat to the government that they've gone to arrest the leader um yeah and like there's a whole i was reading another story about it and it said like the strikes have been crippling the economy of the country um in protest of the uh coup right on good on the workers standing up and fighting back uh, we're joined uh, in the studio uh, by a uh, nat uh, from uh, the uh, anarchist communist Mianjin. Now, uh, first off, uh, uh, nice easy one. Can you tell us uh, a bit about anarchist communist Mianjin? Uh, hi, comrades. So, uh, anarchist communist Mianjin, we're a political organisation that formed around the start of 2021 in Mianjin. Uh, you know, which is the real name for the area we call Brisbane. Uh, what prompted us to take this initiative was that during the COVID lockdown, many of us had a lot of time to reflect on our experiences in political work and understand the sort of local conditions. And we came up with a number of sort of dilemmas and questions about how we move forward. So we studied social movements in Australia and all around the world. And we found some really sort of interesting organising models. And so we saw we'd uh, sort of try and apply some of these models that we found to our local conditions and that's how we got where we are today and all of our members pay dues and we uh, use some of that money to pay to organise out of the space Common House in Fortitude Valley. Um, while all of, all of us here are either anarchists or anarchists adjacent, we've never properly talked about it. So uh, from your interpretation, what is anarchism? Uh, so anarchism is essentially the sort of uh, belief that political movements should, uh, like it's the social movements themselves that are the real vehicles for change and that's where the real power lies for us to really put pressure, uh, for us to force through the things that we want. We, we don't want to uh, rely on government or corporations to give us our funding and we don't want to rely on electing representatives to act within these institutions. We want to build up power amongst ourselves to create the change that we want to see. All right, on. And uh, now the next one here, th- this is a great question. What is specific- 
Specificism. Specificism. Now, Jackson's trying this one, in, I think. Is yeah. that your question there, Jackson? Yeah, yeah, it's the basis of the organization. So, we should so, so a specificism, uh, well, it's uh, the Spanish word for specific. Um, uh, so, specific anarchism, it's basically there's a number of debates about how a sort of people who have radical politics ought to sort of organise themselves. There's some schools of thought that says that radicals shouldn't really have an organisation of their own and should operate within different groups, like just within the unions, or that we should have left-wing groups that are just broad, broad tent. But what specific anarchism says is that we should have organisations that are specifically anarchist, where anarchists can get together and figure out what their real views are and figure out how together they can go out into the social movements to advance our struggles. All right, so, and, and what is, that? that's your overall strategy, but uh, what are some of the other strategies that you use for organising? So we are, as I said, like we believe that the sort of uh, social movements are the important uh, aspect of the workers' movement. So social movements, that being, you know, the labour movement, the environment movement, uh, and... What m- maybe help us out with what are some some you got a current example that uh, you're a space that you're organising in? So we we organise uh, a lot in the group Anti Poverty Network Queensland. Uh, Anti Poverty Network Queensland. It's sort of a community based organisation that uh, we're trying to get people who have experience of living in poverty to organise together, and we're going to try and put pressure on the government to abolish the job active system. Right on. Yeah, you got to get rid of that and bring back the CS. Or you, you'd be even for, bring back uh, something even better than the CS. Do you even remember, do you know what the CS means? That was what uh, Centrelink was was before, and uh, it was just better. Well, we basically just think that if there is going to be welfare, there should be welfare that unconditionally uh, guarantees that nobody is living in poverty. And however they try to get people, you know, however they try and chase people into the workforce, uh, the key thing is that. We don't want anybody to be left in poverty. Oh, right on, right on. So, um, and uh, well, you kind of already answered this, but maybe you've got more more in there. Why is your organising important? Why why is this this stuff important? Well, a great deal of the sort of like political work that's going on at the moment, uh, it does rely on government and corporate funding, uh, and it does rely on electing representatives to act in these institutions. And while there is a lot of important work going on currently through these channels, uh, you, we feel that we're always going to be hamstrung by the government if we're relying on it for our functioning. And if we're relying on elective representatives to do our actions for us, we're not going to be able to build the sort of collective power necessary to really push for what we want. So the power has to be in the hands of the people. Yeah, we really need to take the power into our own hands. I think the real way to uh, get to understand uh, what what ACM are about is to talk about the events that you're organising. Now, there's one tonight, the the anarchist critic of the state. So yeah, tonight at our common house at 74B Wickham Street uh, at 6:30, we'll be holding a discussion night about the anarchist analysis and critique of the state, and particularly its role in social movements. Uh, you know, which, as we talked about before, is a really important part of our politics, and it's good to get that out there into the public. Right on, and uh, and then then also so. 
that you, you you go into it's just a critique of the state, not uh, capitalism of as a, as a whole. It's more focusing in, in, in on the the state and its role in society. Well, we'll be largely talking about the state's role in maintaining and uh, you know expanding capitalism, uh, and it's particularly its role in social movements and how the state uh, is used by capitalism and how the state functions for its own. Uh, benefit to to hamstring social movements uh, and stop social movements from being able to get rid of capitalism or the state. Right on. And then, uh, so there, there's the oh, I haven't got it on my list. Here. Oh, but you, there's this Friday, I think it is. Have you got the details of that, uh, Calypso? Yeah. So um, APN's got the speak out against the job active system this Friday. So that's the 30th of April at 5pm at King George Square. It's going to be open mic, so you can get up in front of the megaphone and have a scream, let everyone know how you're feeling. And uh, so uh, ACM have been heavily involved uh, working in solidarity with APN Queensland. Is is that right? And uh, what's... Uh, what, what's your, what's their ACM's involvement and in, and your views on on this particular um, action? Well, yeah, as I said earlier, a lot of lot of ACM's members are heavily involved in anti poverty network, and we believe that the the punitive uh, job active welfare system should be abolished. Uh, we shouldn't have any any uh, you know punishments or. Uh, eligibility requirements on having people not live in poverty right on and uh so that's uh this friday you're heading on on out there calypso absolutely i'll be speaking at the event so you'll see me there awesome awesome and uh and then and then there's the 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 big now the the one that really really caught caught my eye and the reason that that i reached out to to acm is uh talking about the 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 housing crisis it's here it's it's been here a long long while and um and there is a a definite need for for queenslanders to have a tenants union um can can you uh, talk us talk us through about that and and what acm's thinking is in in uh, um, organizing in this space yeah so so mianjin has been in a housing crisis for a long time uh and, you know, vacancy rates are at the lowest they've ever been and landlords are using that to, to jack up prices and punish tenants and it's also uh, causing our homelessness rate to... It was already high and it's and it's spiking further. Um, there hasn't been a tenants' union in, in uh, you know, Mianjin for quite some time, but uh, as a group we're committed to learning about the history of tenant unionism in, in the city uh, as, you know, and to look around this country and around the world for tenant struggles and through the through the good work of uh, Rahu Victoria as well as tenant unions uh, internationally like we see a real possibility for this to happen in Brisbane and uh, um, on the the 15th of May at Common House we'll be holding a, a public meeting uh, to discuss the prospects of forming a tenants union in the city right on now now that for those that are, are, are new and and some may be thinking but isn't there a tenants union already? Well, it kind of is. At tenants at Queensland. Um, now, I'm looking around. They're, they're just an advocacy group that uh, gets government funding. Uh, um, yeah, can you? What's the difference, and why do we need this? This um, a genuine ten, tenants union. Well, uh, 
our comrades who are in Tenants Queensland at, at, at a time, you know, the, through the lineage of that organisation, at times uh, they did try to be a tenants union and there was some good work done on that front. But as you said, like uh, in the organisation's current iteration, it uh, relies on government funding and if it tries to push for, you know, union campaign style struggle, uh, it will just have its funding cut. Uh, so while the group exists, uh, to, it, it exists to do a lot of good research into like, the housing conditions that exist and it can give advice and, and advocacy, uh, we need an organisation that where tenants can organise amongst themselves to do union-style campaigns and engage in direct struggle against landlords. So what does uh, direct struggle against landlords look like? Because we can easily imagine like going on strike at work, but what does it look like for, for tenants? So the the most obvious example would be a rent strike, where uh, all the all the tenants that are with one one landlord or or with one uh, um, you know real estate firm can uh, get together and you know withhold their rent until their demands are met. Uh, you know that that's the most obvious uh, dramatic example. But you know as as in the workplace we have things like the work to rule. We can have things like that in tenancy as well. We can we can have uh, tenants collectively push their real estate agents to really follow the rules, which the te- the real estate agencies don't like to do. Uh, and through that, we can slow down their processes and and uh, push through demands through means like that as well. Yeah, there's a lot that that, that uh, oh, look. I admit I'm not a renter in here, but I know know a lot a lot of renters and. Uh, and um, it's quite difficult. Um, like I, I remember, I was helping my na- nephew out. He wanted to get rid of mould, and they were just not interested in helping at all. Now, for 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 some some workers, that's a deal breaker. If you if you're susceptible to um, you know uh, breathing difficulties and the like, mould is a big big no no. So um, working to rule would 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 work very unfavourable because I, I'd, I'd hazard to guess that the majority of rental properties aren't fit to be lived in. We, that, that, they, so that would be a, a good place for action because everyone could get involved, couldn't they? Well, landlords are living in a house of cards. Yeah. That's uh, too true, too true. Right, so, um, yeah, yeah, this is such an important issue um, and I, I noticed uh, that uh, Queensland had dreadful laws when I first moved up here because what happens in New South Wales, or did happen, because I've been living up here for 10 years, when you finish the lease, so this is New South Wales, when you finish the lease, the it's it's like the leases down there are a bit more like a, a trial period where we've got this contract, you know. Here you sign this contract for a year, you know, you're going to be... And then once that lease is over, that's it, the lease is over, you just, you're in, I, I don't even know what the classification is, but you just keep renting, you just keep paying your, your rent each, each week. You don't have to go into another lease, right? And now once you're outside of the lease down in New South Wales, you've actually got a lot more rights, you know, you go to ninety-day evictions. They can't. They can't. They've got to give you ninety days notice rather than I think within within the uh, um, uh, within the lease it's four weeks. You know, so there's just so many more rights once you get out of the lease. Now I know that here in Queensland you continually got to keep uh, do, doing the uh, uh, keep doing the lease. So 
uh, I suppose my question after after that long long winded um, thing was was um, are, are you uh, will you be campaigning against against government as well as organising or is that a completely different uh, area that you, that you you know starting to delve into electoral politics. Well, we we want to uh, set up this public meeting to for the formation of a tenants union, and ultimately the actions that the tenants union takes will be, uh, you know, as, as what we really believe about social movements is that it's the members of the unions that should be deciding what actions it takes. So it, that's ultimately that's ultimately a question for the future. Yeah, yeah, and um, of course, being anarchist, communist, it'll be all uh, uh, horizontally led. Um, um, and the like are very democratic, which is fantastic to hear. Um, all right, you got any? Well, let's head back up to my questions. Um, so, how can we get involved? Yeah. Um, so, if you want more information, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, uh, the page Anarchist Communists Mianjin. That's uh, M E A N J I N for those who don't know. Uh, we're also on Instagram at AC Mianjin. Uh, our website is acmeengine.org, uh, and you can check these plat- platforms for upcoming events and message us with any questions you have. You can also uh, arrange a time to meet with one of our members in Common House, uh, 74B Wickham Street. Uh, you know, we're often in there volunteering to staff for the, the radical library that's housed in that building. Right on, and uh, we provided a link to your website with our on our Facebook page last night, so uh, people can click on there and uh, find out more details. So, uh, um, great, thanks for coming on. Is there a- anything else you 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 wanted to uh, chat about while you were here, and or anything that we've missed over? Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything. But just a reminder for comrades tonight uh, at Common House discussion night on the state Friday, APN speak out against the job active welfare system 15th of may open public meeting for the formation of a tenants union in brisbane mianjin right on well uh, once again yeah thanks heaps for coming on the show and uh, um t- chatting to us uh, uh, about this and uh, um uh, i'm sure that uh, we'll have someone on from uh, anarchist communist uh, mianjin uh, in the future and you can uh, give us an update on uh, uh, how the teachers oh, the teachers union how the Tenants Union is coming along. Um, so, yeah, th- thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, comrades. Let's go fight against these landlords. Right on. And now we're going... Just, just before we get into um, Scallywag of the Week, there was uh, one, one little story from International Workers Action that uh, uh, we wanted to throw in there. Uh, so uh, this is in regards to the Panama Canal and the Ever Given uh, Container um ship so the container ship ever given uh, that blocked panama canal has wriggled out of the news cycle but we are re- we are hearing reports that the worker abdullah abdul gawad who drove the exp- excavator for up to 21 hours a, a day for five days has not been paid for his overtime now do you remember seeing the uh, tractor and the big ship have you seen? Did you see those photos? I've seen the photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the photos. Yeah, yeah. So uh, apparently, Abdullah disliked the memes and was a, he was apparently driven by the jokes to prove that he could actually dislodge it. So he's he's worked really, really, really hard. He's and, gone above and beyond. Yeah, he sure has. He sure has. And uh, so what? What the go is? And uh, 
he, he disliked it, so he was driven. But while the capitalists and their lawyers are circling uh, for, for their, their, their chunk, he has allegedly not been paid for overtime for his determined effort. So basically, this this guy's, you know, all, all in the name of capitalism, has worked his his his, his tail off for twenty one hours a day and hasn't even been rewarded for it. He, he saved saved capitalism, you know, like the block and and uh, did you with you, the whole world on its back as well? Yeah, that's right. So, well, uh, good on Abdullah. Uh, what a great worker, and um, let's hope that uh, you get rewarded with lots of. Uh, Overtime. Right, well, we better move on to our, our last uh, international workers' um, action story, which actually coincides with our scallywag of the week. So, uh, Jackson, can you talk us through the Wellington lockout? Sure thing. So, Wellington's bus drivers have been indefinitely locked out in response to their planned 24 hour strike last week. The boss told them that they will not be allowed to work and will not get paid unless they accept the contract the boss wants to put them on. Forget about negotiating a fair deal, like it or lump it, and if you don't take their offer, your kids go hungry. That doesn't sound fair and reasonable. Then late last week, the New Zealand Employment Court forced New Zealand Bus to stop its ruthless tactics and allow drivers back on the job. This decision is a huge relief for bus drivers who have been put on the receiving end of an indefinite lockout and have faced with the prospect of no income for an indefinite period, CTU President Richard Wagstaff said. New Zealand Bus was hoping to starve the bus drivers into submission with this lockout, but this decision has now stopped them in their tracks. We will need sanity to prevail and for New Zealand Bus to accept the offer by the council to fund an increase in base rates leave the other important protections alone and settle a new collective agreement. Uh, Jay Zmijewski is the chief executive of New Zealand Bus, the company which operates most routes in Wellington. New Zealand Bus is a part owned by an Australian vulture fund called Next Capital. <laughs> they are apparently as happy to play with hundreds of millions of dollars as they are to play with the lives of people in our city. Mr. Zmijewski told the media, We thought long and hard about this and regret that we've had to take this step. Words are cheap. We all know household bills are not. The company wants to bully bus drivers into accepting substandard employment conditions they voted overwhelmingly to reject. To achieve this objective, the company is prepared to risk massive ongoing disruption for Wellington commuters and is prepared to attack its own employees in the most aggressive way the city has seen for a long time. And you can check out Wellington Unions for more info. Right on. So, Jay... Zimajewski. I mean, at least that's how it's phonetically spelt. I don't know. If yeah, I, I don't care. If, if I had respect for him, I, I'd make the effort. But I don't because he's a real scallywag and wins our scallywag of the week award. What? What? A, and I also like the edit edit that you've you've put in there. Uh, I didn't put that. Oh, someone put an edit. So New Zealand bus is owned by an Australian vulture fund. Called Next Capital. Are you sure that's what wasn't what's really? Maybe that was what what was written. Yeah, wasn't me. Well, I I put that together. I <laughs> I, I got that from a, a couple of media releases. So maybe it uh, it was in there, you know. So 
Um, yeah, I like the line. Words are cheap. We all know, all know, but household bills are not. So this this you know, he's just a scallywag, you know, trying to um, you know make as as much profit as they can out of what is essentially a community service. Hmm. You and know? his profits are reliant on having people to drive the buses. That's right. The workers are going to make the profit for 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 them. And and look, at the end of the day, yeah, as I was saying, it's it, this is a community service. You know, this, this is um, uh, I, I see it here here in 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 Brisbane. You know, where buses are, 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 they're not there when you need them, and and the like. You know, we've got terrible. Um, uh, you know, systems in place. I'm sure theirs is a much better, but you treat workers terribly. It's just not going to, um, you know, and not have the, enough service for people to use. Um, it's and just then we all suffer as a result. We're, we're all suffering. That's right. We're all suffering. Look, I, I, I can't. I, I looked at it when I, I worked. Uh, I did a nine to five when I first moved up to Brisbane for a while. And I was looking at it, I could not use public transport. It's so expensive. It was expensive. And, and there was just, I could not get to, I had to start work in the city at eight. I couldn't get a bus before seven o'clock to get to the train station. And not a lot of people have a lot of choices with all of those uh, TransLink wannabe cops yeah. these days. Yes. If you have to take your kid to school... And that's a that's a train trip. That's a train trip to school. That's a train trip home from school. And that's five days a week. If you can't afford to put money on your go kart, you can't just choose to not take your kid to school. Or your kid's going to slip through the cracks. So it's fair evasion, or your your kid can't attend school. Yeah. Well, um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, and you just, can see how like important this is. Um, well, important like bus services are like the like the lifeblood of an economy because like even the state stepped in to actually stop this lockout. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, like the state, like they usually just leave, let the bosses do what they want. But like <laughs> this, since this was actually affecting other bosses' profits, they're like, okay, well, you're gonna stop this now and. The, the, the workers, you're going to let the workers back <laughs> back on to work here. Yes, um, so, uh, yeah, look, this is always inevitable when you privatise community services and, uh, um, yeah, the workers get, get, get screwed and, uh, yeah, the services decline and, uh, yes, so uh, it, it's our role here on Workers' Power to call out scallywags like JZ. I, I shouldn't even call him that, should I? JZ. <laughs> Jay Gr- Jay's the grub. Um, the scallywag chief, scallywag with a Z. Yeah, scallywag with a Z. I like that. <laughs> chief executive of New Zealand Bus. What a scallywag you are. Right. Well, that's a, that's our show for the day. Great show. Well done. How how you liking it, Calypso? Are you settling in? Yeah, I'm settling in. That's good. That's good. Well, um, we'll, we'll organise your training very, very soon, and, and you'll be doing it all on your own before long. Hell yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah Jackson, um, you're all geared up for uh, May Day next week? Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you're supposed to say yes. Yeah. Oh, all, you look so excited. All, all excited. Uh, so, yes, uh, w- you'll get the double double dose of uh, workers' power next week. We're on Monday and Tuesday next week. Um, I'm sure you'll hear from me and uh, Calypso as well as uh, Jackson, who's uh, who's anchoring the, the whole thing out there on the streets. So tune in next Monday from 10 a.m. Uh, if you can't get into the rally for whatever reason, and we will take you there. Right. Well, that's, that's it. I've got uh, 
Oh, I've got 30 seconds to, you know. You want to say goodbye or say hello to your mum? I'd just like to add that uh, for listeners that can't see at the moment, Jackson's actually jumping up and down with joy (laughs) over excitement for the May Day rally. He doesn't convey over the microphone, but there's there's definitely energy in the room. He's particularly keen to meet all these strangers, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Meeting strangers is my favourite. Oh, I know, I know. No, look, you'll be surprised, comrade, a lot of these people. They're going to be, they're being guests on the show and things like that. So I think you'll be in great uh, no, space. I definitely, I definitely recognise that. I, my fear is a bit off balance here. I, it's going to be much better than I'm imagining. Yes, yes, yeah, you'll be right. And and uh, you, you'll bring us some uh, some great radio and... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll feel like that we're being part of the uh, uh, you or you, the listener, will feel like that you're right in the mix of it. So, so be sure to tune in next week. But uh, well, that's that's it for our show for this week. And uh, yes, uh, um, we will for Workers Power. We'll see you next Tuesday. And um, yeah, stick around for Brisbane Lines. And uh, that's it for us here on Workers Power for Triple Z. <laughs> Long-term listeners and past subscribers, this is 4ZZZ calling for your support. Do you copy? If you once supported us in the distant past, subscribe this April and rejoin us on Planet Z. While so much has changed, 4ZZZ's always been out of this world radio. Make your way now to support.4ZZZ.org.au or call your friendly station guides on 3252-1555. Reinvest in what you still believe in. Plus, go in the draw to win out of this world prizes, merch and more. Support 4ZZZ, media for a better world.